Hello and welcome to Duelist Community Raw, episode four. I don't need to keep thinking about myself all the time. And the more clearly I recognize that, the more peace and freedom and that I experience in my life. And that is so applicable in absolutely everything, including what just happened as we recorded this intro. So we're recording this intro and I didn't hit record. And so we went through a lovely introduction of the episode that you're about to watch. And it didn't turn into anything that we can actually share with you. And I could think about myself and judge myself for that, or I can laugh about it. And that's the point, right? Laughing about whatever it is I just went through allows me to remove the weight, to learn from it, to adapt, to change, and to move on. And that's the entire point of thinking about yourself is to recognize that you don't have to. We go through this process of being buried by a fiction only to recognize that even the idea of being buried is part of that fiction. So that all said, thank you for joining us. As always, do enjoy this episode of Dualistic Unity Raw. After a certain point in your, in your own development, you stop thinking about things as much. There are just less problems to worry about. It's not that there are less problems. That, that's that's uh, not quite right, and I don't want that to be misinterpreted. There are always the same amount of infinite problems. Always. All the time. It's just that you learn to stop thinking about them as much. You learn to stop taking them as seriously. You start to recognize that you're focusing on them. It doesn't really do anything about them existing except make you more aware of that. And so, yeah, I, that, that's kind of the whole point is just let go. I had an idea for today and I wanted to uh, mention this to you. So I decided to go through the Reddit forums in the self-help section and uh, in the self-help section, I'll say that a little bit more clearly and get some questions down that we can kind of go through. Just see where the perspectives are because it's really about engagement. Right. And that's yeah. it. So as I was saying, having less to deal with, kind of going for a walk, not thinking about your problems, you start to think, okay, what do I talk about? Surely everybody knows this stuff. And that's not the case because you've been on the journey for a while and you're thinking about things that you didn't even know existed at one point. And so it's very useful and, and sometimes necessary to go and talk to people, to get out in the world and out of your little bubble and realize that there are a lot of people going through a lot of shit and, and that they have a lot of questions. And it kind of reminds you like, right, right. It was a long journey to get here. It was, it was a long journey to get here. So if it's good with you, Andrew, I'm going to throw some questions at you, but I'll give you a few minutes to do your thing here while I mention to everybody on TikTok that I am now live on twitch.tv slash dualistic unity. You can join us right now live and, and in the comment section if you'd like to and we're going to be here for the next two hours yeah all right i just told my my uh group over here on tiktok as well but yeah it's uh it's pretty funny because this is exactly what i was thinking about this morning and how funny the uh the idea of our mind can that our mind can create problems out of basically anything. And so my mind's been pretty quiet and it started that it's fucking hilarious because it's something that I dealt with for so long, just a noisy mind. A lot of people deal with it. It's, it's like a typical struggle in our society. Like I just want my mind to shut the fuck up. I overthink all the time, blah, 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 blah. And so I've 
my mind's pretty quiet now. I don't necessarily deal with as many day-to-day issues. Like my mind doesn't run constantly. And that started to become a problem. <laughs> like that's how I started to perceive it. Not that it is a problem, but that's how my mind started to perceive it. And I started getting worried, like, cause for so long I was going through a lot of stuff. Like first couple seasons of the podcast was a lot of like me coming with questions, concerns, things I was going through, et cetera. And recently, as Ray just said, I'm not going through as much shit all the time. And since we've made the shift to, you know, going into this full time, my mind's coming back and it's like, oh yeah, we've been pretty quiet. So like, what are you going to be able to talk about all the time? And it became like, a concern. And I didn't even realize how much it was impacting me. And it kind of like with most things, when you let the mind run and you take it seriously, it keeps running and it can keep kind of pinning you in this cycle and and taking you through this cycle. And then you try and start using it to get out of it. And then you're fucked. And so I was starting to try and use it to get out of it not recognizing that there wasn't a problem to begin with. And I think if anything, you know, I'm not here trying to help anyone. I am expressing the freeness that I feel within myself through a quiet mind. And so when things arise and and you start thinking about it, like you're trying to do something, you're not really free within yourself anymore. And so I think that's where I started to go like, oh, I I should be saying things. I should be coming up with insightful things. I should always have the perfect response. And that's never been what any of this podcast has been about. We're not here to help anyone. We're just here to have a conversation and talk about stuff. And if you're so concerned with how you're being perceived, how it's being, how it's being received, what impact you're making, you're imprisoning yourself again. You're coming like full circle to like be putting yourself back in a prison. You're no longer free in yourself. You're no longer living with less concern because you're concerned about, you know, where it's going to go or like, am I going to have anything to say? Like, because my mind has been pretty quiet and I haven't been dealing with stuff, it was actually able to flip that into an issue. And it was like, well, shit, what if I don't? And then all it really is, is coming back to like a lack of faith in yourself and a lack of being able to recognize that through the acceptance and and the willingness to not have anything to say and not thinking that there's anything wrong with that, you have more shit to say and things arise like you're capping that ability for that intelligence to arise through the concern of not having something to say and then labeling that as the wrong thing to happen, thinking there's an issue with what's going on. And so like with everything, like when I go through shit, I'm just like processing that shit all the time to an extent where sometimes it becomes another issue on top of the thing I'm trying to process because that's what I'm used to. And so, you know, the famous quote, problems of the mind can't be solved on the level of the mind, I think has been very applicable for me. And so, 
you know, coming into today, it's like, if I don't have anything to say, there's that's okay. Like it's the, it's the mentality and the relaxation that comes with being okay with all of it. And it's the concern that cuts you off from the ability to act in the way that would be available if you didn't have that concern and worry and fear for how it's going to be and how it's going to go. So anyway, that's where I've been at. I was able to flip turn a quiet mind into being a fucking problem. And I don't know, I'm still going through it, but I'm starting to see that a little bit more clearly, or at least, you know, the root of what I was dealing with. And once you can see it a little bit more, you can let it pass. Or at least let your attention to it pass, right? Because that's the thing is that it's one of those infinite problems that's always there. The brain's constantly looking for something that it can complain about and focus on me, right? Because it knows that fiction. It's like, ah, I have this idea of what's going on. It's this thing. And it's just understanding that that's always going to be there. It's always going to be there and it's going to limit you or it's not based on how attached to it you are. Right. And that's that's why people go to a party and they spend the entire time not talking to anybody because they're going through all of the things that could go wrong, all of the things that that they all of the ways they could be perceived. Right. And so they're in their own little box that hasn't happened. That's the worst part, because, yeah, any of those things could happen or none of them or one of them or maybe two of them with other things in, in between that were cool. There's a lot to it, but the brain doesn't get that. It just wants to settle it's like i've got a problem now i can chew on this and it reaffirms me right and and that's it it doesn't matter what it is this is why the the idea of enlightenment is so terrifying but it's also the reason that when we were talking about power versus force in that scale reason is the next hardest level to leave before joy and acceptance and all that or, or joy and enlightenment or love um reason because there's always a problem to chew on Reason loves having a problem to chew on, right? It reaffirms our value. Look at us being all intellectual and intelligent, right? But nonetheless, there's still that trap. You can't get out of it, right? There's, that's all there is. But beyond that is joy, which is funny because when you don't have something to say, you can just express how you're doing. And if you're doing great, that in itself has its own impact, right? Like just it's kind of like bob towards the end of the movie what about bob which we did a movie review episode about he was just relaxed by the end to the point where you almost couldn't help but like bob like you were watching him just for whatever he was doing like hmm, that's interesting look at this person and immediately you would take things in about how relaxed he was about how he dealt with people there's a lesson just in being yourself it's not about saying the right things or doing the right things that all said, let's say them right. Let's say some right things. Um, first question. Okay, so I want to learn how to treat people in my life better. I have good intentions and I never want to hurt anyone, but I feel like I, I can never tell what guidelines each person has for me, if that makes sense. So I'll do or say something to someone important to me and not know it'll have a negative effect. And then when I find out that the person has been hurt by me, I feel awful. I have such a guilty conscience and then I never live it down. I need help in being able to know the right way to act by people basically because I'm tired of being selfish on accident when in reality, I don't mean any harm and always end up confused by these situations. Andrew? Oh boy. Um, 
I think there's a lot of assumptions in that statement. And it's important to recognize that it comes back to your intention and there is no right way to act. Like there are no objective guidelines to follow that's going to meet every single person's need and desire for you to be in a certain way. So it's not so much about meeting those concerns or expectations because they're variable. Everyone is completely different, has completely different thoughts and views and expectations and, and ideas, but all of those expectations are on them. Their expectations are their shit. And so you actually posted a great video this morning about trust and expectations. And it's interesting because everyone has to a degree, I mean, not everyone, but for the most part, most people in our society have expectations. And so whether or not their expectations are met dictates how they feel and how they look at you. So if they have some made up expectations for you and how they expect to be treated and you don't know what those are, and then you don't meet them, they're going to have some degree of a negative reaction towards you. They're going to label you in a certain way, not because of anything that you did, but because of their own expectations. And so I think it's recognizing that there is no right way. There is no rule book. There is no guidebook. There is no perfect way to act in any situation. But through the recognition of, of empathy, you're able to build a sensitivity to the situation and to where they're at and actually be able to see them. And so if you hold on to this idea that there is a right way to act, it's going to cut you off from that ability to be sensitive, from that ability to experience that empathy towards that person. And so you have to go in without, with recognizing like there's no perfect way to act. You don't necessarily know how they're going to respond, but their response usually doesn't have as much to do with you as you think. It has to do with their internal experiences and their own expectations. And so there's to a degree, like just a, an acceptance and a letting go of the concern for how they're going to respond. And that may be tough at first, especially when you're used to living based on that. But as you relax into that, it, it gets easier. It's sort of a practice like with everything else. And at first there may be a lot of reactions to that, but through the experience, through the practice, you build that sensitivity and it gets easier and letting go and recognizing, you know, that their expectations and their internal state is on them. There, there tends to be less concern over time for how they react to you when you realize it doesn't have so much to do with you. Absolutely. It's also kind of important to remember that often if you are a self-conscious person, typically you are also easy to offend as well. And it's because you're sensitive to those things and you're sensitive to how you view yourself. And that makes you more defensive as a whole, it's it, which makes you pull away from people. But because of that, oddly, you surround yourself with people who are often like that as well, which means that some, some of your friends actually just may be overly sensitive. They may be defensive and egotistical, which means there's nothing that you can do that's the right thing. Eventually, you're just going to hit a trigger for them because they have a lot of them. And what's interesting is as you work on your own, as you start to recognize their perception of you has nothing to do with your value, as you start to recognize you're never going to do the right thing, you'll start to find other friends who are less sensitive. 
because those friends won't be able to be around you because you're not tiptoeing around them walking on eggshells. It's because you're just worried about your intention. You know your intention is not to offend. You know your intention is to just be as authentic as possible. That doesn't mean you're not going to offend. It will happen. But that all said, tell me if you're offended. I'm glad, I, like I will gladly talk about it. I will gladly work through that with you. And if you have that intention, then that's all you really need. That's all you need. But it's having faith in yourself, as Andrew said. It really is. It's just understanding you don't have control. You'll never have control. And you don't know what everybody else is going to perceive. All you can do is your best. That was awesome. See, isn't it interesting that once you put a question in front of you, the words are there, right? But the whole yeah. point is life's not about having all those questions all the time, is it? No, exactly. <laughs> but there, there's, yeah, I mean... Yeah. So anyway, um, I, I actually the eggshells thing always, always reminds me because that's exactly how I described uh, my relationship with my ex-girlfriend was it got to a point where there was a number of expectations. And it was like, I felt like I constantly had to live up to that, not in like this grand way, but it was just like subtle things, right thing to say, right, right tone to use or question to ask in any situation and i remember when my family like first interacted with her and saw me around her they're like jesus christ andrew like you are not being yourself basically like you are clearly tiptoeing walking on eggshells you can't even say full sentences because you're so concerned with how it's going to be perceived and you're caveating everything you say and it's just that's no way to live your life based on that. And I think with, with the caveating, that's, that's an interesting part too, because to a degree, I think it can be helpful in certain situations to be like, you know, just so we're clear, don't mean this, blah, blah, blah. But there's also an ability to be free in yourself and, and recognize that again, if, if someone gets offended, like a lot of that is on them. It's not necessarily on you. So sure, caveat things here and there in, in certain situations potentially, but you don't have to spend your whole life doing that because you know, you're, you're saying what you say. And if, again, like Ray said, if they get offended, if they get triggered, like express that and then talk about that. But superimposing like you're or assuming how they're going to act before they even react is going to cut you off from being able to act at all, eventually you're going to get to a point where you're going to be so like caught up and, and tense about every situation you go into that you're going to stop going into them because you're going to be so concerned. So there's, there's a aspect of letting go and then an ability to, you know, just if something comes up, then talk about it after, but to assume that they're definitely going to respond in that way is just an assumption on your part and is again, not always going to be the truth of, of how it goes almost never almost never because you're always looking at what's going to potentially happen through the lens of what you're afraid of the most it's your fear it's not other people's perception it's your fear it's because you know yourself better than anybody else and so you know the parts of yourself you don't like and so you immediately assume that they stand out for everybody else like they stand out to you but those people don't know you the same way they just see you, the body, and the things that you put on display. 
That's all they see is what you show them. So if you're not wearing your insecurity like a coat, they don't know. Often, even if you are, they don't know because they're totally wrapped up in their own shit. Right? They are absolutely self-absorbed half the time because we have to go through that. There is this cycle in our life of going from completely self-absorbed to less self-absorbed. Children are completely self-absorbed. It's all about their experience. They learn that other people feel like they do over time, right? There's an intuitive sense that, they, that other people feel like they do when they're toddlers, but as they start to grow up into their ego, as they start to grow up into their sense of identity, there's a natural disconnect that happens there. That's why we form into groups and we judge groups that aren't like us. That's part of ego development. So just recognize some people are going to look at you that way. Some people are going to be like, why aren't you performing the way I want you to? And the question is, why are you expecting me to? Because that sounds like it's causing you a lot of like conflict and suffering. We can talk about that. Typically that conversation doesn't go very well because they just want to judge you and run away to self-validate. But sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. All right. On to our next question, which has the heading honesty. The truth is I have a girlfriend. I'm successful in my job, have a supporting family, and a select small group of friends where I can share most or all of my thoughts with. And yet, I'm struggling mentally. I'm scared the way society is heading, and I'm struggling with my own self-improvement where I never feel like whatever progress I make is enough. For reference, if it matters, I'm 26 and male for no real reason to feel as negative as I do because I still feel and realize that I am privileged. However, my mental struggle with life is still on some days really hard to push through. No, I'm not self-harming or shaming anyone who may partake or, or shaming anyone who may partake in it, nor am I considering or have ever attempted self-harm on an extreme level. I think I'm simply trying to express my emotions the best way possible through text. And I know that there must be some people out there that feel in this, that feel the same regardless of their situation. I just wanted to say thank you to anyone who's reading this and please know that the fight of life goes on. I'm here with you. Thoughts. Did I write that last year? <laughs> uh, half, half kidding, but uh, yeah, I feel pretty much most of that stuff uh a lot of the time i think the main concern sounded like uh progress and feeling like you're always needing to make progress and if you don't feel like you're making progress you're failing and not doing things correctly and i think you know that's something i've dealt with my whole life to a degree without even really realizing it until i started to see things a little bit more, you know, quote unquote, clearly, I realized how much of my life was involved in that. And it's important to realize that there's no end to that. There's no end to progress. Like if you're caught up in always feeling like you need to make progress, you're never going to be satisfied. And also progress is totally subjective and your idea of what progress is, isn't the reality of what it is. And so you can get caught up in this idea that oh, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do this to make progress. And you're cutting yourself off from the ability to make actual progress that's actually impactful because you're holding on to this idea of progress and all the things that fit into your definition of what making progress means, which is oftentimes tied to the fictitious idea of you, that it's becoming more, adding more, doing more, being seen in a, in a bigger and better way, which is only going to 
create a shakier base for you to live upon because, you know, as that idea gets bigger and bigger, you adding more to it, there's more ability for it to get torn down in certain ways. And so I think a big aspect of progress to recognize is that letting go of the need to make progress is sometimes the most progress you can ever make in reality is letting go of holding on to that idea of you so tightly, letting go of feeling like you're making progress, like actually feeling like you're not making progress and being okay with that is making progress. Because if you're constantly in that loop, like where are you going? What are you doing it for? Uh, eventually, most people are striving to be free. And if you're caught up in the loop of progress and feeling like you always have to make it, you're never going to be free because there's always more. There's always more to do. There's always more to you know, accomplish. There's more money to be made or whatever your barometer is for making progress. There's a promotion you can make. There's more revenue you can pull into your business. Like There is no end to that. There's no cap to progress. So when you get caught up in that loop, recognizing that not making progress purposefully, like doing nothing, doing something that you actively think is not progressive, you know, be it reading a book, going on a walk without listening to anything to make pro without listening to a podcast or an audio book that's going to add to yourself, you know, letting go of that. I know, obviously, like that's okay, but I'm talking to myself right now <laughs> without doing that, like that sometimes relaxing into that state of being able to go do nothing, just sit down quietly for an hour, which I know seems like, holy shit, but I only have, you know, 16 hours to be awake an hour. That's like, you know, 7% of the day. That's, that's too much. It's like being able to do that is oftentimes the most progress you can make because then that's going to inform everything else and actually get you out of the loop of not even being aware of what you're doing and just doing it for the sake of satisfying that egotistical desire to continue making progress that never fucking ends. So anyway. <laughs> well said. Well said. It's funny because the process of going through all this, eventually you distill things down to certain lessons. And, you know, at one point for me, it was, you know, relax, pay attention to yourself. That's how you get through all this. Right. And, and, and now, and again, I almost hesitate to say this, but it's almost just the cutthroat. Stop thinking about yourself. And that's really all it comes down to. It's amazing how much it just comes down to stop thinking about yourself. It's like, well, what do I do? Focus on something other than your idea of yourself. Focus on the, the feeling of the ground underneath your feet. Focus on the, the warmth of your hands. Focus on anything. Focus on anything real. Just stop thinking about yourself, right? And that's so hard to do at first because you don't recognize that it's more and more become your entire universe. Everything you do is somehow going through the idea of yourself. Everything's relative to this concept of you. And it's a habit. And eventually it just ties you up. And it disconnects you from everything. You can have everything and not appreciate any of it because you can't actually experience it because you can't actually be there with it. You're just in your head. You're in your opinion about it. And of course, your opinion about yourself and it becomes its own hell. So yeah, just stop thinking about yourself.
It's like easier said than done. It's like, correct, practice. That is exactly the point that we practice over and over and over again. And we try to keep it simple. Oh, I'm thinking about myself. How hard is that? Harder than you might think, right? But that's the point is that it's almost always the problem. Actually, straight up, it is the problem because it's the reason you look at challenges as problems. Is your thoughts about yourself, what you can and cannot do, what you can and cannot accomplish based on your idea of who you are. It's the linchpin of everything that, that is the cornerstone of our, our psychological hell is this concept of me. I don't know. I don't know. I know that if somebody picked me up out of my life right now and dropped me somewhere else on the planet where I didn't have anything that I have right now, like if I, if I went from being a podcaster using electronics and social media every day, every day to being dropped somewhere where I had to work in a quarry for a living and lived in a hut. I'd learn how to do that and I'd learn how to do it well. And before you know it, I'd be organizing everybody and having conversations about life at the quarry because I'm able to adapt. But how often do we think about that? We get so caught up in being good at what we're doing and we don't realize that, no, no, you're, you're good at being you. That's your vocation. That's your purpose is being you. It's not about any one thing that you're doing as you. It's about you, right? You're the, the sculpture that you're chipping away at throughout the entirety of your life. Get into that. That's the journey. It doesn't matter where you're doing that. It matters that you're doing that. I'm going to read another question shortly, but I'm going to open it up to you first. Yeah, no, it's fascinating how how rarely we recognize that everything is filtered through that idea of me. Like everything we do and everything we suffer through is if if you're not thinking about yourself so much, there's it's not to say that there isn't any suffering whatsoever, no pain whatsoever. Like obviously there's always the possibility for that, but without thinking about yourself so much, that psychological suffering that mental suffering doesn't have as much space to be there because it's all in relativity to your environment, to, you know, your ideas of other people. When you recognize that none of them that you hold on to are ever the truth, you could do the most shit in the world. And that idea of you that you hold on to still isn't the truth of what you are. It's never going to be reality. And so being able to, you know, let go of the constant need to build that idea is more progressive than any fucking thing you could ever accomplish. Like it's, it's it, as Ray said, it's like the linchpin of everything we go through. And, you know, the egotistical side of it will say like, no, no, there, you know, you could make $10 million. That's more progressive than letting go of the idea of yourself and recognizing that any idea you hold on to is never going to be the truth. But is it, is it really? Cause then what? That's it. You got, okay, you got $10 million and you're still, you're still you, you're still where you're at here now. It's, it doesn't change that. You still go about your day. You just hold on to this idea that, okay, I'm more now because I have this, I have all this stuff. And it's like, what, are you just going to constantly remember all the shit that you've built over time to hold on to that idea of yourself? Sounds exhausting, quite frankly. It's like, if there is less of that, how much more free could you be? Is that all we're ever striving for is freedom in this moment? 
to be anything, to not hold on to so many ideas. Because every time you build the idea, like you almost have to remember what you've done. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm suffering right now. And then it's like, just, just be grateful. Just be grateful for all this stuff. And it's like, okay, you're back in your mind. You're back into the idea. You're no longer free because you're holding on to all of the ideas again. And, and you feel like you need to in order to feel better. It's like, maybe it's just not having so many ideas that allows you to actually act in the moment and be free in the moment to do anything without so much going on in that head. And any idea of progress that we hold on to is just adding to the shit inside of your head that you have to remember in order to you know feel better with the idea of you. So yeah, it's really always just comes back to being free in the moment. And all those ideas are going to restrict that. It's kind of convoluted to the ego, but it's what it comes down to. I just love the fact that everything that you just said is basically the conversation from the New Testament where Jesus is in the desert and the devil's like, look, you can have all the kingdoms of the world, right? Oh, if you're so powerful, turn this into a loaf of bread, turn this stone into a loaf of bread. It's like, that's all egotistical that's all and 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 so he just keeps rejecting it he's just like that's not freedom that's not the kingdom of heaven right and so it's so funny that everybody's like oh it's jesus and the devil it's like no it's just jesus and his ego (laughs) and he's just working through it and it's it's just so funny because again we look at it from a different perspective and we have to like look up to it because of our self-perception because of how we look at ourselves and, and the fact that we don't recognize the symbolism that that's at work there. Um, I just wanted to address this quickly. Somebody said, I want to go to the retreat and we want you to go to the retreat. We absolutely want to see you at the retreat because the retreat is the culmination of everything that we do here. Admittedly, the groups on Patreon, the free public group that we do every Wednesday that you can register for on our website, Those are all great opportunities for us to kind of create an environment where people can open up, can talk, can question these things and not feel judged in a room full of people who are doing the same thing and empathize on that level. It's a fantastic experience, but the retreat, the retreat is nine whole days of that. There's nothing but us there with you for nine days. And there are only nine guests that are joining us. So there's 13, 14 people, including Chef Caitlin, total in the lodge. And it's a good-sized lodge. So there's space for you to contemplate. There are people there to support you. There are people there to empathize with you. And everybody is taking responsibility for their own journey. Everybody is there to work on themselves. And And I mean work, like as relaxing as it is. And I really want to say this again. There's work that happens there because... As you relax, you start to see your your triggers and your insecurities and your fears. And then you're dealt with the same choice, relax or tense up. And in the world that you live in right now, tense up is the immediate reaction because everybody around you is tense. And the world around you is, is, let's just say, conflicted as an understatement. There's a lot going on in the world around you and a lot of it's unconscious. And so it's very hard to relax into a different mentality while you're surrounded by all of that. You might get a few hours here and there. You might even be able to take a vacation for a few days, but nine days of being immersed in relaxation with people who are focused on the same journey and they're relating to you. Yeah, it's downright magical. It really is. Like, And I say that without ever, ever, ever wanting anybody to believe 
anything. And you know me when it comes to fluff. I don't like fluff at all. I'm not the love and light kind of person, but I am the kind of person that recognizes when people are in a therapeutic relationship with, with each other. And that's very much what happened at the retreat. And it's exactly everything that we could have wanted and more. It's just about creating the opportunity and then watching people who have worked their way to that mindset, finding their way to this place because it's important to them and because they're ready for that change in their life. And I do want to say that it's a big change. It's a big change. I'm not trying to, to sell it as anything other than what it is. You are welcome to talk to the people who have been to the retreat in, in November. We're going to post some of the <laughs> stunning, stunning feedback and testimonials that we have received from those guests. Um, again, it's just a chance for you to go on the journey you want to go on in an environment that's made for it. That's really all it is. It's not about us. It's not about the location. It's about the opportunity and you having the mindset to take advantage of it. So if you can come to the retreat, we'd love to see you. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely a group effort as well. I say effort, you know, like in quotes, it's not necessarily the same type of effort you're probably used to, but as Ray said, it is absolutely work and it's, it's through the relaxation that allows you to do the work, to see yourself in, in the way that is harder to do when you're so caught up in all of the day-to-day -day shit that, that is layered on top of the ability to kind of like relax and recognize more deeply where you're at and, and what all of this was eh, supposed to be, not supposed to be, but could be the potential of it could be i think that was the biggest thing i took away was like that life could be different we don't have to live based on comparison based on you know fear of judgment or expectations for ourselves or other people it's it's through the letting go of all of those things that allows us to connect and anyone who shows up there will will be as helpful to that collective mentality as anyone else that's there, including us, like it is absolutely reinforced through each other and our own ability to let go of expectations of ourselves, of expectations of what we're going to garner from it. And, and through that letting go is where it arises. And so, yeah, it's impactful. Yeah, it's, it's life-changing for sure. It was for us as well. And, you know, we're going to go back and do it again. So we'll see where that uh where that all shakes out but it's a lot of fun also i i i know we say it's like you know you're there doing work but it's it's not like you know the egotistical like all right time to grind time to time to kill my ego and all that bullshit it's just through relaxing that things come up and you you face them you deal with them and and your attention isn't as necessary to focus on them anymore you realize and there's other things that you have the opportunity to focus on like like being relaxed and doing shit that you're able to do when you are in that state which is you know more or less closer to the state of freedom than a lot of people are able to recognize in the type of society that we're currently in so really it's at the end of the day it's an environment to facilitate the ability to experience a mentality that facilitates freedom <laughs> and 
that's that's really what it comes down to and it's a lot of fucking fun as well <laughs> yeah absolutely it is a lot of fun and we just had a question uh can we plan one in the summer we would love to the problem with that is the prices for these retreat locations are a lot higher in the summer because that's the on season for tourism and so it would raise the ticket price considerably for the places that we can currently that we know we can currently book fully and that does have a certain degree of influence on the choice that we make in in consideration to where we're going to hold the retreat because if we know we can't get 20 people to fill a place then we can't book that place so we've been using the lodge uh, we found a lovely location in the netherlands that's approximately the same size as the lodge where we're going to be next november the summer after there is a place here on vancouver island that does have a combination of rooms and cedar cabins for people to basically camp in there's a, a couple of canvas cots in there there's no electricity so if people would like to rough it as it were then we can offer that to them at a much lower rate um, the larger locations that we can get the lower we're going to be able to offer the price and and ultimately we're going to be able to offer them in more seasons but that's the consideration right now for the summers that it would raise the price considerably for each and every ticket and so we're trying to do it in the spring and fall uh just to save people that expense because we understand nine days true we're, we're doing it from saturday to a sunday so there's two weekends in there so you're ultimately just taking out five days from work but that's still five days from work and so we want to make sure that you have all the food that you can eat we want to make sure you have everything that you could possibly need and i mean everything that you could possibly need in terms of the retreat um and we want to do that for the least amount that we can ultimately so that is the reason we haven't uh, planned one in the summer as yet but it's not to say that it won't happen it's just when it will happen so definitely keep up well i know you're going to keep up kath because we talked to you on patreon um just wanted to mention to anybody who does want to come to the retreat in november or sorry in april on april 1st the november once the details are coming up in january uh you can actually get access to those tickets right now on patreon by being a supporter patreon.com dualistic unity uh, tier two supporters and tier three supporters have access to the tickets until friday and then tier one supporters will get access then for another week and then they will be publicly available as of december 23rd yeah oh yeah it's uh excited for for this one coming up uh it's gonna be a lot of fun so yeah we we talk a lot about them on patreon on those calls so if it's something you're genuinely interested in you get discounts on patreon too so it's you know the discounts pay for itself pretty quick if you're if you want to join patreon and join all of our group chats that we have every single week like a bunch of times a week i think if you're on the highest tier you get six group chats per week it's pretty wild like i think we got to have the best patreon offering on the internet I, I see some I see some that they're like behind the scene, like for a podcast or like you get some behind the scenes clips. It's like, it's that, that's it. And people are paying, you know, five to 10 bucks a month. It's like, you get to talk to us live like a bunch of times a week uh, and get discounts on workshops, retreats, all of it. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of good shit there. So um, yeah, definitely. And that's where we talk about all this stuff too, more frequently and answer questions whenever you need them and just talk about whatever else you want to talk about. It's like kind of like group therapy sessions in a, in a way, but not, not like therapy better than that. <laughs> way better because it's just 
just a discussion. We're just weighing things together because we all mutually find them important to us because it's our life. So what could be more connecting than that? We all exist. We all have that in common. We may as well talk about it. That said, on to the next question. Addicted to comfort? I realize that I'm addicted to everything except things I need to be addicted to. I'm addicted to YouTube, to social media, to music, to video games, to porn, to smoking, to sugar, to junk food, and much more, but not studying. Anyone have some tips? Oh boy. All right. Uh, these are, these are fun. Um, so addiction, um, there's so many ways to go with this one. So I think I'll just start where the first thought that came to mind, like there's everything that everything you mentioned is a form of instant gratification. And so I think there's, oh man, I don't, I think there's a degree of, I don't even know where to take this one, honestly. Like it's a tricky it comes, one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, because they seem like different problems. Addiction is is tricky this way. Like it seems like the problem, but it's not. It's a result of the problem. Yeah. Right. So why do I get addicted to things? Why do I get so fixated on one thing as a distraction? Right. So what am I distracting myself from, Andrew? Distracting yourself from your ability to the impending growth that you may. Oh, I'm not even thinking about that. It's much more simplistic than that. I don't like being uncomfortable, right? I don't like suffering. And every time I'm left to my own devices where I'm not distracting myself, I'm uncomfortable. I'm unhappy. I don't know how to just be me, right? And, and you can tell by the question, I should be studying. I should be being productive, right? And it's like, oh, so is that who you're supposed to be? because they don't realize it's that investment in who they're supposed to be that's causing them so much suffering that they're losing themselves in addictions to avoid that suffering. So they're actually working against themselves by doubling down on their identity. They're like, how do I get more into my studies? Not realizing now they've just made it so much more likely they're gonna dig deeper into their addictions. Okay, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. So it's, it's the belief, because when they said the initial thing, when they said, I should be studying, I should be this type of person, I'm addicted to everything besides what I should be doing. And so it's literally that that's causing the addiction. Like like everything, it's like half-assed backwards and your belief that you should be doing something. And so, because I've talked about this a bunch and like recognized it, that you know there is no should, there is no correct thing that you should be doing and I didn't even realize that that ties into addiction as well. It's like the belief that you should be a certain way causes the discomfort when you don't necessarily want to do that thing, but because you think you should be doing it, you're making up this idea and that gap between what you think you should be doing because of what you think you should be versus where you are is the discomfort, which then causes you to avoid that discomfort through what you're doing. And then what you're doing, be it, you know, video games 
watching porn, you know, eating a bunch of food, whatever it is, is then what you're doing in that moment. And then you keep thinking that you should be doing something else because that's the right thing you need to be doing that causes the discomfort again. Then you go back to doing something else that is more comfortable, is easier, is, is right in front of you, is easy to, you know, open up TikTok and start scrolling. Oh, therefore I feel better. And then it's like, oh, but I should be doing this. And so it's the recognition that there isn't something you should be doing. There isn't something you need to be doing. There isn't a right way to be cuts that cycle. So then you start doing something that is, you know, an addiction or, or whatever, but there's no longer. So say you start there, say you're, you know, scrolling on TikTok, and there isn't something in the back of your head saying, I should be doing something else. So there isn't the overlaid discomfort and you recognize, but I can do something else. It's not that I should, but I can. And there's an opportunity here to do other things. But as long as that should is there and you're not doing the thing you should be doing, there's going to be the discomfort. And because you're always trying to avoid discomfort. Oh, wow. Fuck. All right. That's cool. I've never like, I don't know. I've stayed away from addiction because I feel like I haven't dealt with it much in my life in like the formal sense. Everyone's always addicted to some stuff. I've been addicted to plenty of things, but it's not people place these labels like, oh, you can be addicted to, you know, alcohol and porn and whatever. And if you don't fit those, then you're not really addicted. It's like you can be addicted to literally anything. Well, in psychology, they'll actually say it's it's an addictive personality. Right. The danger is not the substance. The danger is not the thing. The danger is in is in the personality. It's it's in that in that habit of getting lost in something. Right. And it's so interesting and at the same time kind of sad because often the method for the method that people try to use to fix that or or therapists sometimes offer in terms of how to fix that is, you know, you just got to set attainable goals or just leave them alone. (laughs) Just, just, just relax, you know, like stop thinking you should be anything other than what you are. Like if, if you, if you're wasting time, get into wasting time, see how long it lasts, because I guarantee the reason that you keep wasting time is because you're resisting the fact that you're, you're wasting time. So you're actually just caught. It's analysis paralysis. If you just got into it and you're like, yeah, fuck it, I'm going to waste some time. That's not going to last long. It's not going to last long. I swear it's going to wear thin so quickly because you're embracing it rather than resisting it. So you're actually in it rather than in your head about it. And it will wear thin and suddenly you'll go, you know, I could just tidy this up. I could just tidy this up. It's not going to take that long because you're not in your head. Suddenly you're in the room and you're noticing, oh, I could just do that. And it doesn't seem as difficult. It's just amazing how much we get in the way. And again, stop thinking about yourself. It really does come down to that. And and again, it's just, it's doing it over and over again. Keep it simple, simple, not easy, right? That's that's kind of the whole point. Um, Would you like to say anything else before we move on to the next topic? Yeah, just real quick. It's funny just thinking about myself for certain situations if I ever got caught you know, scrolling on social media or whatever, it's always overlaid with, I should be doing something else. And then I'm there for so much longer. Like it's so fucked. Oh God. I'm just like sort of realizing how much I'm keeping myself in that loop. When I got, get caught in doing anything, it's all, there's always, I should be doing something else. I shouldn't be doing this. And 
if you just let go of that belief, you're like, this is, and it's not even, it's not even saying I should be doing this. It's I can be doing anything right now. There is nothing that I'm pinning down as I should be doing this. Cause if there's, you know, if you're not doing it in the moment, which if you're saying you should be doing something that you're not doing, you're always going to be doing something else in the moment. Always. Even if it's like, you know, doing the dishes, thinking you should be doing something else. That's going to keep you in that discomfort because you're not where you're at. You're not where you think you should be. You are where you're at. You're not where you think you should be. And that that discomfort, if you're avoiding, damn, if you're avoiding discomfort. And uh, it's interesting though, like coming at it from, you know, just relax, stop thinking about yourself so much. The ego can't comprehend that. It's like, what do you mean relax? I'm not doing something active. I have to be doing something to get myself out of this, which keeps it in the loop. Like it's so convoluted, but that's how, how, how we run. And that's why the advice is always, you know, just focus on this or, or do this or tell yourself happy thoughts or set goals for yourself. And it's like, that doesn't get you out of that insidious loop. It just, I don't know, makes it feel like you're doing something else that doesn't actually change anything. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? It's funny because you were saying the other day, like, Ray, you do so much. Like you're always going, how do you think I do that? And it not wear me down. It's because I'm not thinking about myself, right? I can just keep going because I can, or I can stop and relax and actually genuinely enjoy being relaxed for however long that is. It's not like I'm switching gears and there's this slow, like, oh, God, tone it down, right? Because I don't let myself get that worked up. For the most part, I'm not shooting for the future. But even doing dishes, as you were saying, like, even so much as focusing on got to get to the next dish decreases the quality of the work you're doing on the dish you're doing. It's such a fine line. Like, you really just be where you are. Just relax into what you're doing. Focus on it. Right? Don't analyze it to crap. Don't pick at it. Don't, do, don't try to be perfect, but just focus on it. Just be in it. And what you'll find is that you enjoy doing things well because you enjoy doing things well. That's the point, not because it makes you better, not because of how people will look at you, but because you enjoy doing things well. And if it's just for that reason, you have some wiggle room where you can go, that's good enough. Doesn't have to be perfect all the time. It's nice when it is, doesn't have to be. Because that's the point. It's about the experience you're having. It's not about what you're doing. It's about why you're doing it, what you're getting out of it, and what you're carrying with you afterwards, right? Because it's all changing you. So everything you do is important. All right. Oh, this is good. I can't seem to get better. I tried everything there is to try, and I still feel like hell. I don't know what to do anymore to get better, to feel less shitty. Someone please advise me or help me or anything. I can't go on anymore. Andrew. I mean, this one seems kind of intertwined with the last couple we've been doing, like that belief that you should be feeling differently is what's kind of keeping you in that loop. Basically, it's a, it's kind of the same as addiction. It's like becoming addicted to I'm getting concerned with your eyebrows. Um, the uh, the uh, okay, so thinking that you should be feeling differently 
is that not the same type of mentality as being addicted, thinking you should be doing something else like doing, doing versus feeling it's It's just, yeah. Thinking. So it's like thinking that your reality should be different than it is. The way you're feeling should be different. And therefore worse is that they're right. And it would feel different if they stopped thinking about themselves. See, that's, that's what's wrong. That's that splinter in your mind that they're talking about in the matrix. It's like, I know something's wrong. Why can't I figure out what's wrong? I. That's why. That's, the, that's that thing that's rubbing you the wrong way because it's not reality. It's not reality and it's going to consistently create friction for you all the time as long as you double down on it as reality. Each and every one of these people is expressing the same thing. I'm creating my own hell. And I don't recognize it. That's what it is, right? And it's so insidious because we immediately think, oh, I'm experiencing the world. Therefore, everything that I am thinking must be me, right? Not recognizing how vast we are, not even being willing to accept how vast we are, because that's really it. When you have a limited self-image and I tell you everything that could possibly be thought is inside of you, you're not going to say that. You're not going to agree with that at all, unless it's like, yeah, all the negative things. And then you'd be like, yeah, sure, that's all in there, which is hilarious because that's the point. It really just goes in with your self-image. It twists everything. It twists everything and it creates suffering. This is why my life coaching business was called Transcendence, was because you can't get out of hell with the mechanism that runs hell, which is your ego. You can't solve the problems that you're creating by focusing on your problems it's a kick in the teeth it really is because it's the end of the journey you're just like so what i'm just here yeah that's that's it but that seems stark and depressing because you're not used to it because you never do it right you get a few glimpses of what it is to be uncertain and you run back to a fiction right and then you're like I don't like this. Right. You wouldn't like it if I put you in a pool of water where you weren't used to the temperature either. If it was cold, yeah, this is cold until you get used to it and you adjust. You wouldn't like it if I put you in a new job that you didn't know what you were doing. As everybody goes through, they get a job. They don't know what they're doing. What happens within a month or two? You know what you're doing and it's not nearly as terrifying because you adapt, but we forget that. And we forget that the experience of living free of the idea that your idea of yourself has any value whatsoever outside of giving you a clue from time to time about perspective and empathy. And said, once you're free, it's easy. It just makes sense. You're just like, right, that's not me. But until that point, you just keep getting sucked back into it. Keep getting sucked back into it. And what's worse is you keep trying to use the same mechanism to get out. Right? And it's a vicious loop. Do you think with therapy, do you think therapy is very much caught in that loop or are there opportunities in therapy that they are able to let go of themselves in a certain way? Because I would say that the term therapy is so broad that you'd have to say yes and no. I mean, there are some therapies that are entirely based on, on self-image and ego. Um, 
say gender affirming therapies for example uh very much saying like no no your idea of yourself is absolutely who you are you know there's a danger in that in the same way that there isn't affirming any identity as truth there's all of a sudden there's this conviction that this is it and you have to protect it and you're afraid of it being threatened and there's a whole bunch of hell that goes with that not because of what the identity is but because it's identity right on the other hand you have other therapies that are meant to bring you out of your identity where the the practice is actually coming back to what's what's here and now right like play therapy it's a perfect example play therapy is all about letting the symbolism act itself out right just letting yourself be involved with whatever it is you're doing and that brings you out of your ego and there's a lot of therapies that are like that more and more especially with uh child development but there are more for for adults as well um Susan and Melissa, guests from our roundtable, they were talking about that in that episode, uh, specifically that there are different therapies that are, are quite useful, but there are a lot of therapies that are still rooted in this old-minded egotistical version of what reality should be, that your self-image is in fact super important, and if you're not holding on to your self-image, there is a problem, whereas a lot of uh, ego, ego development psychologists will recognize like holding on to that too, too tightly is in fact the problem. Right. It creates divisions between you and the world, and that's what creates your conflict and often exacerbates other mental disorders that are just kind of waiting, you know, in the background, you know, like OCD. OCD is a really brutal one because you know, it's called the, the doubters mental illness, right? But it's, it's really just shit tons of stress. Like you'll notice almost everybody who suffers through OCD is under a tremendous amount of stress, right? And so to deal with that stress, they're trying to think about everything. Right. And that's the problem is that they're thinking about everything and then they actually start to doubt their thoughts because thoughts are never reality. Your thoughts are sometimes completely wrong. And in, to an OCD person, that's a terrifying thought. So you keep thinking about it over and over and over and over again. Right. Hoping for some conclusion like, yeah, now I'm satisfied. And it's almost never there. Right. And the whole point is to just walk away and go, no, I locked the door. And if I didn't, all my shit's going to get stolen and that's fine. <laughs> okay, Because next time I'll remember the door. But you have to give up and, and surrender to the consequence of the fact that you're not in control, that sometimes things are going to happen that you can't compensate for, that you can't think about, that you can't even see coming. And that has nothing to do with your value. Yeah, I was just thinking, so with something like OCD, is it that there's an attachment to if this thing happens, it means X, Y, Z about me? Like, it's all rooted. If it wasn't, would you care? Yeah, exactly. Right? So, so along the lines of disorders, and do you think they're all variations of attachment to idea of yourself? It, not on varying many. capacities so not all but where, many. yeah yeah so like where do you do you, have you thought of any examples where it isn't so much okay what yeah. is that and like schizophrenia is that uh, that blurred line between dreaming and awake right it's the fact that you can't tell the difference between your mind and reality like to you there is no difference and without that that conceptual border anything could be like you you could you could see something in the window and it it would turn into a voice for you because of how your brain is is interpreting it and you wouldn't have that mechanism going it couldn't possibly be a voice it's a window you wouldn't have that defense 
right? So it's like living in a dream all the time, but with no, no wherewithal. And so my curiosity would be, can we use that, <laughs> right? Because we've talked about breaking down the division between ourselves and reality, breaking down the assumptions of what physical reality is. Like, I personally think that somebody in a high functioning state of, of schizophrenia, like some of the people we, we've talked about on, on the show who have actually managed to figure out a way to govern themselves regardless of their hallucinations. I think that those people would do incredibly well in a field like science or quantum mechanics, right? Because the, what they're seeing in their head is so much more, right? That they would actually be able to possibly interact with more uh, insights about the, the relationship between the observer and the observed, because for them, they're the same, right? Pure subjectivity. So yeah, I don't think that that's necessarily ego-based. I think that's largely due to biology. I think that there's some mechanism there. Maybe it's evolution. Maybe we're looking at it as, as a disorder when in fact, you know, it's the next phase for humanity. It's just unexplored and we don't understand it. Yeah, like the, uh, what was it? The Mayans or the Aztecs or someone saying we got caught in the dream world type thing was that, that was uh the australian uh aborigines yeah uh aborigines right um and so make yeah it make that's a good point then is that the next sort of evolution and because as a society we're so caught in in the dream world believing that all of it is real and exactly the way that we think it is then it's schizophrenia because it's again like a resistance to that state of being and obviously you know i can't even imagine what that would be like that you blur. function in the world well you can yeah once you start adapting right as yeah. some people have but no it, it, it again like you'd be walking around in a dream and everybody else would be telling you like can't you see this is reality what are you looking at that for like even just being slightly aware when you stop on the path to observe a bird people look at you like why do you stop right? <laughs> Instead of just moving on, like, don't you have shit to do? Go, right? And that's what I mean. Like, can you imagine how far removed that mentality is from your average egotistical point of view? It's so far removed. Like, you'd be waking up in a nightmare, right? And that's the problem is they do. And then we lock them up. We medicate them and we put them in a, in a psych ward, right? And so it's even worse. And that's that's the point is that I think that in a society where we're not so terrified of things that are different where we're not so set on things being how we want them to be i think that our our therapies would reflect that i think that we would have a much more open-handed approach to a lot of these mental health disorders um because at the end of the day and, and this is one of the problems i've always had and i communicate this to my wife again who if you don't know this listener uh, is a counselor this is actually what she does the idea of a disorder is terrifying. Like just the word in itself becomes a problem because now you're looking at it as something that's wrong with you rather than just a collection of habits, just a collection of, of, of uh, behaviors. Because that's all it is. That's all they're saying is that you have a collection of behaviors that we classify thusly. Okay. And it seems outside the norm. So there's a disorder. It's not as ordered as we think people should be. And that's the danger. That's the clue. People aren't ordered. I want you to know that no matter who it is, if you see somebody who is, you know, wearing a suit, you know, straight laced, that kind of thing, serious look on his face, that person's got some serious shit happening underneath the surface that they may not even know or want to communicate to you. Do not make the assumption that you can read a book by its cover. Everybody is the entire spectrum of awareness. 
There is no such thing as mental health, as a narrow band that we can walk within. Mental health is the ability to dance with your mind. Okay? That's what it is without it crushing you. It's learning to align with it. It's learning to use it rather than it using you. Mental health is not, is not a narrow corridor that we walk down. It really is a state of mind where we just come to terms with our existence. And the more you do that, the easier it becomes. Okay, but that's not mental health so much as balance and patience, right? And the willingness to question things and not always trying to find that immediate satisfaction. There's a degree of calm that goes with that because it's here in the moment. But our current perspective of mental health is, oh, they act this way, this way, this way, this way. They value this, 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 and this. And so that's changing. I'm not saying that's not changing in the psychological community, but you watch. Often you go in for therapy and they will try to find the problem and fix it rather than just help you recognize that life is the process of perceiving problems and letting go of the perception to find that you are the solution. Mental health is just accepting what you are. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> that's not exactly what we're trying to say all the time but that that whole idea of disorder is completely arbitrary because being normal is completely arbitrary and it's just another concept that we hold on to because it makes us feel more comfortable holy shit like everything comes back to i want to feel more comfortable so if this doesn't fit my narrative my arbitrary narrative for something that i'm comfortable with it must be a disorder. And it comes back to like individual perceptions as a collective that we just agree. It's a bunch of like individual perceptions that we all agree upon and are like, oh yeah, this is this is normal. But it's not actually the same for everyone because then there, there's just another discomfort for questioning what's normal and what's not normal. And so rather than questioning because... Someone could respond in a way that makes us uncomfortable or just the state itself of being in that state of questioning makes us uncomfortable. We just avoid all of it. We're like, oh, nope, you're you're different. You're this. And OK, you fit this, this, this. And now I'm more comfortable. You can go away now. And thank you very much. I will talk to you. Talk to you never because you're going to be locked up because you don't fit my idea of normal as much and therefore have a disorder and therefore it's like it's not even that they're a menace to society people dealing with you know disorders majority of the time but they're a menace to our state of comfort because they force us to question our sense of certainty for for what it is and rather than rather than questioning it we just become certain that it is a certain thing that we believe in. And that's it. And then we send them away. Damn, fuck it. Like all comes back to our desire to be comfortable. Yeah. And all our urge to think of ourselves to get there. Yeah. That's it. Right. That's the loop. It's like, I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to think about myself. Oh, shit. And everything goes wrong after that. Like it's, it's just that it doesn't matter. How you try to approach it doesn't matter if you think about yourself in a positive way, that negative is coming. 
it's brewing underneath the surface. And the more you commit to that positive, the bigger it gets. Because it doesn't matter how you think about yourself. Taking it as truth is always putting you up on a chair that's going to get kicked out from underneath you. Always. You can't get out of it. I wish you could, but you can't. It's just the way it works. And once you accept that, once you start just taking that in and going, right, right. I'm just thinking about myself. It gets way easier. There's no way for me to describe how that happens, but it does. The ego doesn't understand it either, but you really just got to go through it. Just, just try for a solid month. Just, just every time you start taking things, like you start beating yourself up and you start doubting yourself and you start worrying about what people think about you, just go, right, I'm doing the same thing. I'm just investing in that illusion. What's real? Or, or rather, what's not that illusion, which is better, right? And then just focus on that. Focus on your hands. Go for a walk. Focus on the wind. Focus on something other than something that's created by your thought. More importantly, by your thought about yourself. Because you are not the thing you're thinking about. The thing that you think is you is not you. It never can be. It never can be. It's just a useful fiction. It's all it's meant to be. And it's not that you shouldn't have those fictions. I really want to make this clear, okay? Every time you think of yourself, you're going to see a new fiction. Every time you think of yourself, you're going to see a new fiction. And every time you let that go, that fiction will change the next time you look back at yourself. You can't look at yourself without your brain creating a fiction. That's what your brain does. It conceptualizes everything. Everything. But concepts are simplistic versions of the truth. Right? So remember that. It's just a fiction. Question it. You'll have another one. Don't worry. And you'll have to question that as well. Until eventually you start to recognize that it's this constant fluid thing. It's never what you think. It's never one solid thing. It's only what it is right now. So you can use it to the best of the ability that you can in the moment that you're a part of. Because that's what helped it form. So that all said, want to get on to the next question? Yeah, no, this is all I'm like, fucking taking notes on what you're saying. I'm like, this is some good shit for me right now. I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to do that for a month that uh, deal, because even just thinking about it now, like every time the idea of you comes up, there's a thing that you should do to live up to that idea, right? There's always some expectation that comes with that idea, like because I have this idea, there's something I should be doing. And if it's not what I'm doing now. It's going to make me uncomfortable. It's going to make me feel like I should be doing it. And then if I'm, you know, not okay with feeling uncomfortable for a little bit, I'm going to avoid that. It's going to fucking go back into that cycle. So every time you have an idea, it's always going to come with a should or an expectation without so much idea. There isn't, there couldn't be, you know, a should or an expectation. You just, you know, say you write a to-do list. It's not that you should be doing that, but like you can do all that. And if you're not thinking about yourself, there's nothing else you should be doing because you're not thinking about it so much besides like, you know, eating when you're hungry and peeing when you got to go pee. Oh, fuck. All right. Sweet. <laughs> My favorite is the to-do list, right? One thing I, I uh, recognized early on was because I'd have a list of things I needed to do and then I beat myself up if I didn't do them. Even if after the fact, I'm like, I don't really need to do that. Like I, when I when I was writing the list, I was overzealous. It's like I was trying to prove to myself how productive I could be. And then halfway through the day, I'm like, I don't really need to do that. But I couldn't just let it go because, of course, I had committed. It meant something about me if I didn't do that one thing. 
right? And so I've adopted this new mentality of seemed like a good idea at the time. Time to reevaluate. It's just fluidity. It really is. It's just allowing yourself to just reevaluate things as you go and never settle on one thing. But that's contrary to the idea of identity as truth, right? If identity is truth, it has to be fixed. And that's the danger. Truth is everything that is. That's the truth. It's not one perception. It's all perceptions, right? That's the point. It's not one individually ever. It's all of them all the time, right? So you can't say, this is my truth. It's not something you can own. That sounds like a perception that you were attached to. That's all. And that's what causes your conflict. And that's the danger of, you know, like, this is who I am. That sounds a lot like a coffin. Uh, right. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just funny how often we cling to those things. But yeah, I think doing it because you can is a big thing. And then allowing yourself to flow with it, like letting the shit go consistently, like constantly, like flowing through you, allowing it to go, not holding on to like, oh, I wanted to do this. So there I sh- therefore I should. But it's like, I don't want to anymore, but I thought I did. And it's like, if you, if that past idea of you, you're holding on to, you're going to hold on to the things that you thought you should do before as well. Like it all comes with that and it's, it can't exist so much with being where you're at and allowing that flow to, to continue on and letting go of the perception that it means anything about you, what you do. And it's just reminding yourself of that over and over and over again, because your mind is the basis for reality for you. So as soon as you think about yourself, it's going to seem like reality and you can't get out of that, right? Like, that's the point. You actually have to remind yourself that your mind is working against you to try and help you. That's the point. That's what I was trying to get, uh, get across and discover transcendence, that there are certain things that your mind is always doing that if you're not aware of it doing, you just fall into like it's truth right? Like habit. Your brain's always trying to find repetition. Why? To keep you alive. If something's repeating, it's certain. Chances of you dying decrease quite a bit, right? And so the brain's always looking for repeating patterns, not understanding that repeating patterns create a a series of moments of stagnation, which create unhappiness and discomfort, right? And actually stops you from growing. And the brain doesn't get that. You actually have to push past your brain's urge for comfort in order to grow. You have to, right? And so it's just keeping that in mind. It's just keeping, but again, it's saying that and then remembering that when you're suffering. And that is the biggest thing. And I was saying this early, like it's simple. It really is. Our our desire is very simplistic. Suffering sucks. I don't like suffering. I don't like suffering. There's the opinion and there's the, the reaffirmation of I. Immediately now I'm in the shit. Right? Like I'm thinking about myself now and it gets worse because now I've taken suffering and I've amplified it by suffering from my opinion of suffering. So it's suffering squared. And we don't recognize that that happens. We don't see that happening because we just fall into it like it's real. Right? And of course we would. Of course we would as a product of our mind. All right. Next question. I'm, and I know you're detecting 
a vein here, or rather a trend. I care too much about how others view me. I always had this problem growing up. I always cared about what, I was, what others thought of me. I improved my body, social skills, although I'm still a bit awkward, picked up interesting hobbies, and made my life more interesting in the hopes to impress others. I came to realize how shallow that was, which explained why I never felt good enough. I'm at a point where I understand that all the validation and love I want has, has to come from within. But even though I know this, I still crave for people to have a good opinion of me. I still want to be accepted and liked by others. Does anyone have any advice? I want to stop seeking validation from the outside world. I want to stop caring about what, what others think of me. Oh, baby. All right. Um, well, first of all, you want all of the acceptance from everyone else. Meanwhile, you haven't accepted where you're at. And there were so many levels to, I want people to like me, so I acted in a certain way. And then I realized that I should be getting love from within. And then I recognized that you know the only way to get to this acceptance is X, Y, Z. And it's like all of these layers on top of, you know, not accepting where you're at and even being in a place of not that you want to accept the fact that you're craving other people's attention, but there's like a level to that where if you let go of the resistance to that desire, it's like it cuts it off to a degree and allows you some clarity to actually see maybe why you're craving it so much. But as long as you're putting on all of these layers, like you know, I'm, I'm feeling this way and I shouldn't be. And it's like, you know, you think you should be doing something else. Discomfort, avoid the discomfort comes back to that. And it's that same fucking loop. That's crazy. So I think it's important to recognize like with the early question that we got, there's no way to control it. You can do all of the most perfect things in the world. You could be the epitome of perfect, perfect social skills balanced with perfect, perfectly imperfect type imperfections that allow people to be comfortable around you enough. And then, you know, you're confident, but then you also are aware of your insecurities and you're open about that. And you could do all of those things perfectly in all of the perfect ways, according to like scientific analysis of personalities and whatnot. And there's still going to be tons of people who don't like you. There's still going to be so many people they're like, yeah, I don't like them very much. It's like, that's the reality of it. There is no way to get 100% of people that come across you to like you. And as long as you're striving for that, you can get caught up in this loop of not wanting people to dislike you. And there's no way to avoid that either. Whether you want a lot of people to like you or you don't want anyone to dislike you, it's the same game that you can't win. There's no way to do it. So it, it's almost you need to recognize first and foremost that it's impossible. There's no end to that. Just like there's no end to there's no amount of progress or productivity you can do to achieve an end to that. There is no amount of you know ways you can make yourself more interesting, things you can do, things you can work on, self-help books you can read, movies you can watch, videos you can watch to make yourself liked by everyone. It's an impossible task because everyone has a different idea of what they like. Everyone has different experiences. Everyone has different preferences. So you being a certain way makes someone really like you for that thing. And that same exact thing causes someone else to dislike you for that same exact thing. 
for being, say you are, you know, super likable. Someone's going to not like you because you're super likable because they're jealous. They want to be likable and they're jealous or, you know, who knows? It doesn't fucking matter what the reason is. The reality is it's an impossible task. So what do you do? You recognize that first and foremost, that's going to unlock a whole lot of freedom to see that you don't have to try and be any idea because any idea that you try and be is not going to fit everyone's mold. And there's actually a a recognition in that. And I think I've actually talked to my sister about this because she's mentioned that she comes across these, you know, people on girls on social media, for example. And she's like, oh, they're so, they're just so cool and and likable. And and it's it seems like everyone comes across them and they just really like them. And I think the the common theme in people who are likable, who are genuinely liked by a lot of people is they're not trying to be liked. They don't care if they're liked. They don't give a fuck. And that freedom that they express through that authenticity allows people to connect with them. They're accepting of, you know, their insecurities, whatever they deal with in their life. They're not trying to be something for anyone. Because if you're trying to be something for everyone, you're not being yourself, like people can feel that they can recognize that. And then on top of that, you're trying to be something for them. You're acting in a way, expecting them, hoping them, hoping that they like you in return. Therefore, which is the same as expecting them to like you in return. And if you're expecting them to like you in return, people don't like things that are expected of them. They don't want to be in a relationship where there's an expectation that they like you in return. They like to be free in themselves, free to choose. And so if someone's overlaying an expectation of for them to like them, they're going to be like, that makes me super uncomfortable because, you know, there's an expectation there inherently. And so it's letting go of that desire, letting go of that need, recognizing within yourself that that's enough. Like you're where you're at. Any Anyone else that you hold on to a need for them to like you is only going to exacerbate the amount of expectations you have for them cause resistance within them and and they're not going to want to be around you. So it's, it's letting go of that need for people to like you allows you to be free in yourself, which is going to be the thing that gets more people to like you, but you can't, you know, try and be that. So more people like you, it has to be a genuine letting go of the concern, which again, like with everything we've talked about, doesn't happen overnight. Like it takes practice. It's taken a very long time to build up that concern and that fear and that worry. It's going to take some time and some practice to let it go. And there's going to be a lot of situations where, you know, that need and that desire comes up and it's, it's being okay with that. It's not overlaying judgment for getting caught up in that concern through that. You'll allow it to let it go or shift your perspective slightly and then, you know, keep moving on. It's not getting caught up in, you know, the specific thing that you're going through so yeah and it can be a bit of a shortcut to uh to remember who it is that you want to perceive you positively because if you look at that list of things that they did to improve themselves they improved their body they started doing some interesting hobbies they tried to make their life more interesting so you know be interesting to other people but those are all things that they think would be interesting to other people because those are things that they're interested in. So the person that they're really trying to get to like them is them. You're perceiving it as other people, but you're perceiving 
other people having your thoughts. It's you that you're trying to get acceptance from. It's you that you're trying to impress. It's you that you're trying to get to love you. And you don't recognize it. You put it through other people thinking that it's about them. And it's not. All of those things that you've done to improve your life are improving your life. And they will do so more once you, recognizing that, once you recognize that you're doing it for you. And then as soon as you're doing it for you, then other people will all of a sudden go, oh, that's really neat because you're not trying to show them. You're not doing it for them. There's a different intensity. There's a different energy that goes into everything that you do when you're just enthusiastically doing it for you. Because when you love yourself, and I know it sounds cliche, but the fact is when you love yourself, that's when people can love you. Right? Because until then, you're not being you. So anybody they do love at that point isn't you. It's who you think you need to be for them to love you. And that hole is deep. When you start running down that track and then you suddenly realize that all the accolades, all the people who are like lauding you with attention and hugging you and congratulating you, they're all doing so based on a fiction that you have carefully created. So it means nothing again, because it's not about you. It has to be about you. It's not about them. It never has been. It never has been. You just convinced yourself it is. It's about how you see yourself. Live for you. Right? Learn to love yourself. And all that means is stop questioning. Or not stop questioning. Well, yeah, no. Stop questioning your value. Stop questioning your value. That's the one thing you don't have to question because it's, it's a concept. It's not real. Question the idea that your value is measurable. Question that for sure. Right? But aside from that, just, just be you. You think those things are interesting because you're interested in them. Pursue that. Be honest about it. You're interested in them. That's okay. Yeah, you, you might think that you've been doing it for other people this whole time, but you haven't been. All you have to do is change your perception. And you've been benefiting this whole time. You've been doing this for you. All you have to do is change your perception now, and it informs your past. It changes everything. That'd be about the best advice I have there. Are you ready for the next question? All righty. Last one. I'm not good at anything. I'm 20 years old. I'm majoring in biology going into my third year of college right now. I think I've hit the worst point of my life right now, I guess mentally. I just quit a job opportunity that I worked hard to get into. I waited a year to join. And after a few months, I left. I quit a week ago because I was feeling horribly overwhelmed and anxious to the point where I dropped 12 pounds in a span of two months. I genuinely feel like I'm not good at anything. This job opportunity was essentially an apprenticeship where I was getting trained to learn how to become a PCT at a pediatric hospital. I was so grateful to have been accepted, but I was already afraid of the unknown. I have no prior medical background, so it was a whole new world to me. I felt useless while I was working there, stupid, like I was just in the way of everyone, so I left. And now I'm unemployed and trying to find a job that won't make me feel that way. I actually feel so stupid because people go through way worse, and yet I'm over here being overly anxious and depressed. I wish I had been born differently. I don't catch on to things as quickly as others. I'm not really smart. Overall, I don't have anything that makes me special. I was thinking of going into therapy and getting, and getting medication because of how horrible I've been feeling these past few months. It's embarrassing to admit that I genuinely felt suicidal over everything right, over everything right now. 
I'm privileged to even be saying these things. And it makes me feel worse because I'm complaining and bitching over shit like this. I just want to know if there's anyone who's been in my shoes and got better. And what type of job is out there that I could possibly even do? That's our last question for this episode, Andrew. All righty. Oh, man. I feel like all of these have a uh, common theme for the most part. And there's a lot of false certainty in that statement, like a ton. And the belief that, again, they should be different than they are. They should be doing something differently than what they're doing. Like, I feel like I'm not good at anything. Who's telling you that you should be good at anything? And and where do the expectations of good and the, the ideas of good even come from? It's like all rooted in comparison and false certainty that all the other people are, you know, doing a good job or a better job, or it's all it's all relative to arbitrary barometers. And so it's, again, a letting go of the idea that you should be good at something. It's that damn expectation for me, for for I, and it's all relative to the rest of reality that's totally made up. And that was it was a long statement. I tried to take some notes, but oh, the other part, people have it worse. People have it worse than me. I shouldn't, you know, it's it's pathetic that I'm going through this. Like, says who? So, like, can't compare pain. We've talked about that a lot. You're going through this. You are where you're at. You're struggling with it. People have it worse is this made-up idea that it's like layering on top of this idea I should be good, and then because I'm struggling, I feel like I'm not good enough, that I'm suffering because I think I should be in another spot or, or in a different situation or have a higher degree of knowledge or understanding. Meanwhile, it's a brand new thing. So you're expecting something for yourself to be good at something that you've never really done before. So you've made up these expectations before you even have the opportunity to learn enough to become good at it. It's like you're cutting off your legs before you even start the race. And then because you're struggling with that, discomfort that's coming from thinking that you should be further along than you are thinking you should have made more progress, understood more, you're suffering. And then you're judging yourself thinking you shouldn't be suffering for that thing. And people have it so much worse than you. You're, you're suffering there. There's again, you can't compare pain. There's no, there are different types of situations, but the feelings are the same. And they're again, rooted. They come back to the idea that you think you should be in a different space than you are. And that's an insidious loop. It's a, it's a loop that gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And it starts with thinking that, you know, you should be good at this thinking that good is even a thing that exists. And, and you're not allowing yourself to even get there because you're judging yourself so quickly based on where you're currently at right now, thinking you should be in a different place. And then, you know, the loop deepens when you start suffering because of that exact mentality. And then it's like, oh, I'm suffering. Then thinking relatively to other people, I shouldn't be suffering. I should be able to handle this. 
but you're, you know, cutting off your legs before you start by believing that you should be better at it before you even start. And the loop just gets deeper and deeper and deeper until you recognize that you're comparing yourself to arbitrary metrics that don't actually exist. Thinking that, you know, as long as you achieve those, then you'll be enough. It's like that's, that's not it. Cause then there's going to be another arbitrary mark that you compare yourself to. And if you're not at that, at that point, then the loop is going to continue it's, again, letting go of the eye that's causing all of the should and therefore all of the relative suffering based on where you think you should be at relative to where you're at. Yeah. Because it's always unreasonable. It's always unreasonable. Like we look at something, see, this is the funny part is that if this person were to take something that they're familiar with, something that they do a lot of, doesn't matter what it is. Let's say it's, it's playing video games, let's just say, and you were to introduce a new video game to them, they would probably develop the skills to play that in pretty short order. And it's because it's something they're familiar with. It's not outside their wheelhouse too much, right? Give me a second. So in that case, they'd feel very confident, but they're tackling things they have no experience in. They even said, like, I've never been in this situation. I immediately doubted everything I was doing. I felt like I was a waste of space. Yeah, that doesn't mean you were, right? It's just the way you felt. And it's so important to recognize that it's going to be like that to a greater and greater extreme, depending on how outside your wheelhouse the experience you're having is. The more unfamiliar it is, the more you're immediately going to look at yourself and go, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Because you're trying to get, gain some sense of certainty and your brain is trying to figure out where you fit in the pecking order of everything that's happening right now. Like how useful are you? How much do you know compared to everyone else? But if you look at that as a measure of your value, you're done. You're done. It's so important to recognize that experts in every field doesn't matter what the field is, doesn't matter if it's, it's uh, medicine, doesn't matter if it's quantum mechanics, doesn't matter if they're a uh, carpenter or master carpenter, doesn't matter. They all sucked at one point, all of them. Every single person sucked at something at some point. Okay? There's nowhere else to start. Sometimes if you're lucky, you have a natural talent for things, which is great. That still doesn't mean you know everything, right? You're still gonna have moments where you're gonna doubt yourself especially if you're now naturally talented at something, right? All of a sudden you, you violate your own self-image and it hits hard, right? And that's the point is that it's always, it always comes back to your self-image. Right? It always comes back to this fiction of you. And now that you've left this opportunity, I don't want you to beat yourself up like, oh God, it's never going to happen again. It happened because you actually had the potential to get there, which is great. And you still do. You still have the potential to see something else. But no matter what your next job is, as soon as you start thinking that your value raises or lowers according to how well you do the job from one moment to another, you're going to end up back in this position of fear. You're going to quit again because failure is always going to be threatening your sense of value. Failure does not make you less valuable. Okay? Your value is beyond measure. It's your potential that you are holding back. You have limitless potential. It's just how much do you want to expose yourself to? How much do you want to express? How much of a risk are you willing to take to see how much you are? But you're always going to go through the thought of I'm not enough. I'm not doing well. 
until you're not going through that thought. It's just your brain going through it. It's just trying to figure it out. That's all. If you take it too seriously, it's always going to hold you back. You're going to get locked in position thinking, oh, I got to find a, a way to solve all these thoughts before I do anything. No, you don't actually. You can just do the thing and the thoughts be damned. It just takes a little while to remind yourself that, but you'll get there if it means something to you. And ultimately it's going to mean something to you when you are tired of suffering. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's important to recognize that that with the value, like your value isn't predicated based on what you accomplish or what you do. And I think it's easy to let that go on the negative, on the negative side, like, oh, this doesn't, you know, make me less valuable if, if I fail. It's also important to recognize it doesn't make you more valuable if you garner more success, like your value doesn't, doesn't fluctuate. Because as long as you hold on to the idea that your value goes up, if you do succeed, it can't go without the recognition that or the belief that your value goes down. If you fail, they can't exist codependent or independently. They always exist codependently. If you believe your value goes up when you succeed, you're going to believe your value goes down when you fail every single time, no matter what. So it's, it's letting go of that and the desire to succeed even like what does that even mean you know it's just the process of continuing on of continuing to learn to to explore that limitless potential it's not about getting to a point where you know you achieve certain things that's just another process of exploring that potential because it's fun because you can because you're able to but it's not about getting to the point where you find success or achieve, you know, fucking enlightenment and all that stuff. It's, it's just, where are you at and what can you do with it? It's what it comes down to. Always, always. It's just, it's so important to recognize that you're, you're always going to be equipped with this machine. It's a comparison machine. That's all it knows how to do. As soon as you pay attention to it, you're comparing. So as soon as you pay attention to yourself with that machine, Guess what it does? It compares you to everything else that it thinks it knows. And it does operate under this assumption of value, that value is measurable. But that's always superficial. I was saying that before, like somebody who has never had something can get a cheap version of that thing and feel rich. Whereas somebody who's always had the best version of, of that thing always and never ever had to want is not going to be satisfied with the next best version. So which had more value? Right. And so our brain just wants to simplify that. Like, well, obviously the best version. It's like, no, nah, because value is dictated by your subjective experience. It's dictated by your appreciation. Right. And that's the whole point. So just remember that, that your brain is going to fuck with you. Not to put too fine a point on it. Your brain doesn't understand it's fucking with you. So you have to understand that it's fucking with you. And then you can practice dancing with it understanding that it's a tool. If you know how to use it, if you know where its trappings are, if you know where it's dangerous, with a little bit of awareness, you can do wonders, right? But until you get that in and you really start practicing it, yeah, it's, it's gonna turn you around. It's gonna make you feel very confused and very overwhelmed because it's massive. The only thing more massive than your mind is your potential. 
Yeah, it reminds me of the quote, uh, who has more, the man who has everything or the man who wants nothing. And it's important to recognize that there's it's impossible to have everything even. So in that state, there's always going to be more to everything. But if you don't want anything, then it's where you're at. You're free. That's freedom. It's not having everything. It's not like freedom comes from getting everything and then you're free. That's like the most the heaviest prison you could possibly imagine is having everything, owning everything. I have this. I have all this stuff. Like that sounds like a massive fucking weight. So wanting nothing. Also, it it's not just a materialistic thing either. It's it's for feelings. It's for situations. It's for emotions. Wanting to be different. Wanting things to be different about yourself. All of it will reinforce that state of suffering that you're trying to avoid. And it's rooted in I. It's rooted in me. It's rooted in the fiction of you that you hold on to and bring into every situation because it's always going to compare. There's always going to be more to do, more to accomplish, more to achieve, more to understand. Like it's it's never been about that. It's about letting go of that need to get there, thinking that it means anything about you. Don't believe your mind. Your mind's going to tell you, you need me to get there. It's always there. You're always going to use it. You're going to get there regardless. Like You don't need to listen to the fictions of your mind, imagining how you're going to get there, because the fact is you don't need to know. All you need to know is that you're here now and keep doing to the best of your ability. That's all. On that note, we are going to wrap this up here in a few minutes. I just want to mention to everybody who is listening and everybody who has joined us in the chat section here today that we are going to be continuing on Patreon at patreon.com slash dualisticunity. This is a tier one group today, so uh, it's only $5 per month. You can join us every week, uh, twice a week, I believe, for tier one groups, as well as the free public group that's coming up on Wednesday, which you can register for at dualisticunity.com. Um, if you would like access to the retreat tickets earlier than December 23rd, definitely join us on Patreon. Uh, currently, tickets are available to Tier 2 and Tier 3 Patreon supporters. They will be available to Tier 1 supporters as of this Friday. Hell yeah. This is this is fun, mixing it up, doing a little Q&A session. There's definitely... Uh a theme to it that I think was very helpful for myself. So <laughs> felt like most of the time you're just talking to me, which you always are, regardless of who you're, who you're really talking to. And that that's interesting because it just comes back, back to your perception of whether or not you're in a state of recognizing whether everyone's always talking to you. And if you don't think they are, they might still be, but also might not be because it's your willingness to receive it and see it for what it is and recognize it is all it ever comes back to. So, yeah, that was, that was fun. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know how everyone else received it, but I know it was helpful for me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, feeling, feeling better for sure about stuff and yeah, it's, but you know, it's process. I'm not getting thinking that it's all, you know, glory and, and rainbows and sunshine and butterflies, you know, immediately still working through, but again, practice and, uh, yeah, I think letting go or stop not thinking about myself. So goddamn much helps. Yeah, definitely can. At least then you can 
see what's going to happen without getting in the way right and that that's really it is you're on the path regardless may as well just see where it goes right and we often just want to have an idea of where it's going problem is, is that idea immediately creates its own hell right if we get too committed to it and our opinion of it so it's just step by step so on that note we will end this here i will see you at the top of the hour on patreon thank you everyone for joining us and of course this episode of dualistic unity raw has been a blast we will see you next time bye everyone